0: everyone and welcome back to the Queen of Calm podcast. I'm your host Paisley Haddad. So I've just been having such a great time talking with all my guests this season. I feel like I've grown so much since last year as a podcaster and I'm talking to so many more people in so many different industries and I'm so grateful for all of your connections and anyone who's helped me over this whole process you know find more guests and I just feel like we built such a great community of Queen of Calm guests that I can lean on for support in the future and that you all can potentially reach and that you all can potentially reach out to on LinkedIn after the fact. Everyone's so helpful. So thank you so much to everyone who's been a guest so far, whether it was last year or this year, and for all of you for listening and supporting the podcast. And there's definitely more to come, so I'm so excited to share them all with you. But I want to remind you all, before we get into industry insights, that on my Instagram, you can join us to see all my guest announcements, my listener question polls on our story, as well as, you know, a bunch of fun graphics, sneak peeks of episodes, just a bunch of fun. And I love to keep it on brand with the pink theme. And so I just feel like I have a lot of fun at the Instagram. I do a lot of trying out of the different features. Um, so be sure to follow us at Queen of Com Podcast on Instagram. And we are on Twitter at Queen of Com Pod. But that's something I'm trying to get better at. I feel like in the grand scheme of, you know, producing a podcast, the one thing that slips away is the Twitter a bunch of times. So I'm trying to be better about tweeting out episodes and, you know, different quotes and everything. So be sure to stay tuned for more on Twitter. So follow us there. But for today's industry insights, of course, we have to start with the results of my poll from last week, all about the Super Bowl 2022 ads. So, you know, as, ex- as to be expected, Coinbase was a big hit within our Gen Z audiences And so speaking of that, I commented on a LinkedIn thread from one of my connections who was talking about the sentiment behind the Coinbase ad. And so I added my two cents in the comments and said that I thought it was a win for Gen Z because us as a generation, as we talked about in my episode with Sabrina Sanchez, are very nostalgic. And so to see that, you know, vintage DVD screensaver that we all saw in elementary school on the screen and then to pair it with the modern element of a QR code was definitely a win. It made everyone stop and pay attention. I saw someone else in the thread also commented that everyone who they were watching the Super Bowl with took time to say, hey, did someone change the AV on the TV? And it really drew people's attention. And I saw a lot of comments about how, you know, their website crashed due to all the popularity and how that was poor planning. But I think that, you know, you really can't plan for that sort of thing. I mean, you know, we have great technology nowadays, but I feel like they maybe didn't anticipate how many people would scan it. So I thought it was a win overall. It got people talking. And even though, you know, they may have crashed our website, I think people would definitely take a second try to get into their website and check out what they're all about after seeing all about it in the coverage after the fact. So I thought that was a win. You all also shared that you love the Budweiser commercial because it integrated NFTs, um, which I think is a great modern element as well. The Uber Eats commercial, which I talked about with all the celebrity cameos and how it really drove home their new services of delivering more products than just food as well as the E-Trade commercial where they went back to their roots and brought back the Talking Baby. So lots of great commercials, and it was so great to chat about that and to hear all your thoughts. But as for today's industry insights, I want to talk all about product placements. And so I know that there have been product placements in TV and movies since the dawn of time, but I just find it so fascinating how it's changed to fit the standard of 2022 Um, I mean, just for example, our favorite show of the podcast, as you all know, is Emily in Paris. And we saw season two shift into, you know, product placement mode, which is something I forgot to talk about during my season two recap. But, you know, every brand that was in one of Savoir's campaigns was front and center. Their products were shown. I think it was a great partnership and a way to bring in naturally for viewers. It didn't seem like out of the ordinary. Um, And I was also just recently watching Marry Me, the new movie starring J-Lo that's on Peacock. And I think they did such a great job of integrating the NBC brand in there, because as the movie is streaming on Peacock, they, of course, had to have those personalities from the NBC Universal umbrella. So we saw someone from E! News and Jimmy Fallon from The Tonight Show and Hoda from The Today Show. And, you know, I feel like it was a great integration of their brand into the story, as well as all of the, you know, moments where J-Lo and Maluma's music was on display. People are going to go listen to them on Spotify and Apple Music after the show just after the movie, I should say, um, you know, to hear all the songs in the show. And that was a great publicity for them, as well as all the brands that were involved in the movie. I mean, throughout the movie, I saw tons of brands that I recognized, you know, none that are (laughs) none that are coming to mind at this moment, unfortunately. But um, just within the movie, I just couldn't help but put on my PR hat and look at it from that lens. And also recently, I've been watching the show Inventing Anna which I will definitely be talking about more as I finish the series on the podcast, because I feel like it's a show all about perception, all about your personal brand, what you put out there, and I feel like PR played a big role into this whole thing. So I'll definitely be talking about that, but I'm going to wait until I finish the series, so no spoilers, but I'm loving the show so far. And of course, Shondaland, Shonda Rhimes um, and Shonda her production company, put on a great you know, uh, TV show, and it's always such a great story to watch. And so I'm I'm excited to finish that. But getting back to the product placement aspect, um, a hometown brand for me is Polar Seltzer. And so within the show, if you don't know the story, there's a bunch of journalists who are involved and the journalists are having lunch. And you can see directly that the seltzer can is turned around to see the Polar logo. And, you know, I find that clever because it is a hometown brand. But at the same time, I'm like, wow, that really is just in your face, you know, trying to get the brand out there. So, you know, what do you all think about these product placements? Do you think they're effective? Do you think that they're meeting the standards of 2022? Do you think people are smarter than product placements nowadays? I want to hear your thoughts. So I'll be having a poll on my Instagram stories right now as this episode is premiering. And you can go and tell me your thoughts. And on next week's episode, I'll share what you all had to say. But as for today's episode, I'm so excited for you to hear from my guest. She is so knowledgeable about the industry. She has great experiences. And she has a bunch of great advice to share with you all. Um, And she also has her own... Media Company, as well as her passion project, which celebrates female entrepreneurs. So, of course, I love that on the show, I'm all about female empowerment. And that's, you know, partly why my show is all about sharing the stories of remarkable women in communications. So stay tuned for the interview. It's going to be a really great one. My next guest has been a publicist and business owner for over 14 years with her business, Marquette Media. She has developed partnerships with leading brands, resulting in top tier client coverage, and comes from an academic background in data science and business, as well as PR. Please welcome Kristen Marquette to the podcast. Welcome, Kristen. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So, why don't we start out with how you got interested in PR?
1: Yeah. So, it was just kind of a fluke. You know, I never had any intention of in going into the field. Um, when I was in college, you know, my, my path was to pursue medicine. I decided I didn't wanna do it with the hard sciences. So I switched majors and then ended up studying <laughs> literature and English. And um, that was fine. And after I had graduated my first job out of college, I worked for a law firm as marketing manager and, and a PR manager. So it was kind of like a dual position. My first job out of college, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, the way that we contacted the media was through telephone. And there was no email pitching. I mean, Twitter wasn't around. I mean, this was back in like the mid 2000s. I mean, that's how long ago it was. (laughs) So uh, working there, I learned that I didn't want to go to law school. So I decided to pivot a little bit and I studied finance. So I got a graduate degree in finance. And then I started working in management consulting, which was completely, completely different from anything I ever had done. But the financial crisis hit, and I lost my job. Actually, my my entire office in Manhattan was shut down, so I had a few freelance copywriting clients at that point. And I said, you know what? I think I'm going to try and make this an agency, a digital marketing agency. And this was maybe in 2009, and within six months, I scaled up to 35 clients. You know, had a full time team. Um, we were doing copywriting, PR, digital PR, and a few other strategic um, disciplines that kind of fall under integrated marketing and grew grew um, so that was really great and at the same time I had pursued another master's degree at NYU because I was living in New York that my office was in New York and all that great stuff and um, here we are you know in between I had studied data science because I find data science um, and business analytics critical to understanding that the, the analytics side of PR and how it integrates with SEO and, you know, all these other kind of new elements that are critical to growing a brand in today's digital ecosphere.
0: Wow, what a journey that is. And I feel like I hear so much with PR professionals that they never intend to start out in PR and then it just happens, you know, out of the blue. And so that's just so interesting how, you know, you never know what's going to happen in your life and how different things can change. And so I wanted to ask you, you know, what was your time in college like? Because I know you just mentioned that you started out in science and you kind of wanted to refine those interests. So, you know, what was that transition like for you to kind of find what you wanted to do after graduation?
1: Well, you know, I mean, it was pretty easy transitioning from the hard sciences to the humanities. Um, After graduating, though, I kind of struggled trying to figure out what I wanted to do, since I wasn't going to go into the medical field. And it just seemed like getting hired at an international law firm, it was perfect because I can learn marketing I can learn strategy I can learn PR but I could also see if I want to go to law school and work in the legal fields well that after a year I said no I said I'm not doing this and you know what my husband's an attorney and that's enough <laughs> attorney <in> that house. <laughs> and you know I mean my PR career in agency it's grown you know I've done very well um, but that hasn't been without a lot of sleepless nights, um, managing unrealistic expectations with clients, thinking that they're going to get on the cover of Forbes, get on the cover (laughs) of fortune. I'm like, it's not going to happen. Um, or thinking that they're going to become the next Rachel Hollis. I'm like, no, that's not how it works. You know, it's, it's a very strategic discipline and you have to be smart about how you're disseminating your messages and all that. We can get into that a little later, but yeah, so yes, I've had financial success. I've had a lot of career success, but also at the same time, you know, I've had a lot of stress and it's, as you know, you know, being a publicist, it's, it's tough. Cause you're really only as good as your last run.
0: Yes, definitely. So much work building up to one big moment. And then you got to start working on the next project to keep
1: things rolling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of crazy, but you know, I guess we kind of thrive off of it to a certain degree, right? Yes, definitely. And so now, you
0: know, having all this knowledge in the industry and really spending all these years getting, gaining that experience, what advice do you have for college students who are studying PR now and how can they get
1: um, ready for joining the industry upon graduation? Well, um, you, you know, learn how to write, um, learn how to be concise. I would suggest if you're still in college, if you can take a couple journalism classes, learn how to craft an interesting narrative, figure out what makes a company or an organization or a brand, a product, an entrepreneur, whatever it is you're going to be pitching for the media relations side of things. Um, interesting, newsworthy, incredible. You know, those are the three most important elements when it comes to crafting a pitch, right? So yes, yeah, so study journalism, figure out how to write, learn what strategy is. Um, and when it comes to graduation, you need to figure out whether you want to work in-house or you want to work for an agency. If you work in-house, it's going to be a lot less hours, um, a lot less stress. You know, you're only going to have the company or the organization to promote. Whereas with an agency, you know, you're going to have 10, 15 clients um, and you're going to be doing a thousand different things. So it really kind of, you have to figure out where you want to end up.
0: Yeah, I love how you mentioned that um, journalism aspect of taking those journalism classes. In college, I studied PR and journalism, and that was just so invaluable to be able to know what the reporter is looking for. So when you're reaching out to a reporter, it's so easy to know, you know, what would I be looking for? And, you know, refining your AP style and just all these different, you know, ways to build your confidence. Even, you know, going after those journalism stories in college, you know, reaching out to strangers, you know, building that confidence. I feel like it's such a great way to really prepare yourself for PR as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely agreed. And, y- you know, having that, n- knowing how to write an EP style, it's, it's going to be a lot easier when you go into a job versus trying to switch from MLA or, you know, APA and then have to write <laughs> in the AP style. So, um, yeah, so it's, I would agree with that. Definitely. Yeah. It
0: was hard to switch between taking your core classes and writing those papers and then having to go back to a journalism class and writing those stories.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm actually on the editorial side too. So I get a lot of pitches that are crap, you know, I mean, I have (laughs) columns for entrepreneur Forbes and Inc and a lot of the stuff I get, it's just not, I can tell that, the publicist or the founder didn't do their research and it's like they're mass pitching. You know, they're sending out one pitch to a thousand different media. And I don't roll like that. That's just not, (laughs) you know, I mean, if you're gonna pitch me a story and you wanna maximize your chances of getting coverage, give me something that's unique. You know, give me like one or two paragraphs, make it interesting and make me wanna be like, oh, you know what? That's really cool. I'd like to talk to that founder. You know what? I'd like to... Um, learn a little bit more and the same thing with Fem founder, you know which we can talk about later but that's that that's a whole nother story so peeps learn how to write a pitch
0: yes definitely yeah that that's such a great point you bring up because even I've got like guest pitches for this show and people have felt my name wrong they felt the name of the podcast wrong like just do a little research like it goes such a long way it absolutely does So, you know, I want to talk more about your company, Marquette Media. So what has that been like to start this company and start working with clients? And what has that been like for you?
1: It's, you know, it's been like a whirlwind, you know, I mean, I have good days and bad days Um, working from going from a full-time position, you know, very cushy position to freelancing, to transitioning to an agency. I, I mean, it's it. Trust me, I had my challenges and still to this day, you know, I mean, I've run into challenges with clients. Like, I mean, I, I had um, an issue with one of my clients last night and it's getting to the point where I'm going to let her go because she just doesn't value our working relationship, even though, you know, we've been working together for the last 18 months. So the, the transition, like I said, from full-time to freelancer, that was tough because there's no security. Then from freelancer to full-time president or CEO with the actual team members. I mean, you're kind of balancing both, you know, you're balancing your team, you're balancing your clients, and you have to make sure that you have enough revenue coming in to feed your team. And you have to make sure that your team is actually performing so that your clients want to stay on. Um, And also making sure that the clients are the right fit. That is... That takes a lot of research and it takes a lot of conversations, you know, and I've learned at this point, you know, doing it for what, 14, 15 years now, I'm just, you know, the the synergy has to be there. We have to like one another. You have to respect me. I have to believe in your brand and the trust factor has to be there. So it's been, it's been a very interesting um, journey (laughs) to say the (laughs) least,
0: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I think something in our industry that we need to work more on collectively is, you know, building those client relationships w- where they understand what we do as PR professionals, because I feel like sometimes that's half the problem of trying to explain, you know, our wins to clients. And, you know, how do you translate that as something valuable in business? And sometimes like they don't want to listen. They don't want to know about that sort of thing. They just think, oh, that's PR, like that goes with the marketing and it's not as important, but we really need to make sure that, you know, what our work that we're doing is understood by clients. And I think that's something we all can work work on throughout the industry.
1: Agreed. Absolutely agreed. You know, yeah, it's communicating with your clients more. It's managing their expectations and it's also educating them on the process, you know, for telling them that there's nothing guaranteed, you know, so it does make it a hard pill to swallow. And I can understand that. You know, I think that if I was looking to hire a PR firm and every single firm I interviewed, said, Oh, well, I can't guarantee results. I would say, oh, I don't really know if I want to do that. But now being on the other side, I really see the value that it brings to brand awareness. You know, I, I mean, i talk for years about client success stories and client nightmares, you know, but I do agree with that.
0: So speaking more on that client relationship. So what tips do you have for building this client relationship? Because I know a big part of, you know, PR before the pandemic was, you know, Inviting your clients for a coffee or sitting down with them and just talking about, you know, ways to connect or network. But how can you do that in our semi-virtual world?
1: You know, that's a great question. And uh, I mean, since the pandemic has eased, you know, over the last two years, (laughs) I mean, if you have clients that are local, it's going to be a lot easier to meet them for coffee or for lunch or for dinner. Um, But if you have clients like I do all over the world, the only way to connect with them is over telephone, over email and over video. And, you know, that's what we do kind of, you know, day to day and it kind of sucks sometimes, but (laughs) what are you going to do? You know, I I mean, I'm not going to get on a plane and go, (laughs) you know, go to (laughs) Asia, you know, for two days just to come back. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's, it's definitely so different, you know, just, you know, jumping into the industry. I recently just started in the industry about five months ago um, as an account coordinator. So this is really my first job in PR. And so, you know, seeing that client relationship happen over Zoom and like how all this the emails matter so much more when you're, you know, remote. And so it's been interesting to see that, um, you know, happen. And so I also had another question kind of going off of that organically, you know, what can someone in a, a a lower position be doing to connect with clients? Because I know that, um, you know, higher up in maybe an account, it's more on those higher ups to build that connection with the client, but people who are lower down in the account, you know, how can they start building that connection?
1: Well, I mean, somebody like yourself or has a year of experience, obviously your employer trusts you. They trust that you're doing a good job. Um, ask them if you could get more involved in client communication. You can have, when you, when your team starts seeing clients face-to-face, ask them if you could get more involved in those meetings, you know, and get to know your clients, research them, learn everything you possibly can about them. And the more you show your value, I mean, the easier it's going to be to even start securing your own. Um, you know, obviously it's like a five-year timeline based on, you know, what I know personally with m- my own team and then hearing, you know, from other people, you know, become a account uh, account supervisor or account director. It's about five years, right? From account coordinator. Yeah. And then that's when you really get to see the clients kind of face to face. But yeah, I mean, if you can show your value, you know, you, you're smarter than everybody or you're working smarter than everybody else on your team it's going to be a lot easier for you to rise to the top and it's going to be a lot easier for you to, to climb that ladder, you know, instead of five years, maybe it'll take three. Yeah. Thank you. Sorry, the actor. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry.
0: <laughs> I was just going to say, you know, thank you for that advice. And th- that is such a great tip you shared about, you know, really building your worth, because sometimes I feel like for people in my position, it might be harder to kind of reach out and start, you know, having an impact on these accounts because you feel like you don't want to overstep on anyone or you just, right. you know, not, not sure if you can share ideas yet. So that was definitely some great advice you shared. Um, but I want to talk more about Fem Founder because I love what you're doing with that. So okay. what is that? And, you know,
1: how did that all develop? Okay. So back in 2017, I, from people, companies that couldn't afford to hire me or my firm, they wanted a place to go to that they can get centralized PR tips. And I said, all right, I'm going to start a blog. Five people, you know, I had five (laughs) people reading it. Um, but over the last five years, you know, we've acquired millions of readers a month and the company has become a fully integrated media company. You know, I've been toying with the idea of launching a podcast, but with everything else that I have going on, you know, with the agency and just trying to balance home, you know, with work, (laughs) it's, it's time consuming. So I haven't pursued that, but yeah, we are fully integrated media company, that now is not just PR, it's entrepreneurship, it's kind of lifestyle. You know, we have a couple products, I have a PR course, um, which I've opened and closed a couple times. And, you know, I'm going to be making it evergreen this year. um, (laughs) So that anybody can join at any point. And, you know, I just want to make it a hub that anybody that needs advice, you know, whether it's they're going to they need Help scaling to that first hundred thousand, or they need help scaling to that first million, they can get the information they need, you know. And I think short snippets rather than these super long, uh, you, you know, blog posts that's going to be much more appealing to somebody that's on the go versus, you know, somebody that has actual, you know, five hours to read, you know, a 10,000 word <laughs> blog post. Yeah, that's
0: great work you're doing, and I feel like we have such similar missions. I've always wanted to share advice. You know, I started this show because I just felt like so many other people would love to talk to these industry professionals and hear this advice. And I was really interested in networking and you know hearing from others who had stories to give. So um, I love the work you're doing with Fem Founder.
1: Thank you, thank you, and I do as well. You know, I'm really happy thank you. to see that you know younger people in the industry are taking the initiative to talk to other experts, you know, seasoned, kind of mid-career and kind of spread the word about what the industry is about. So I think it's cool.
0: Thank you. And yeah, something I always say is that, you know, it's our job as communicators to share others' stories, our client stories, but sometimes it's just as valuable to share the stories that, you know, our our industry professionals are sharing and how they started out because a lot of you know, younger professionals could resonate with that and really find tips that could build their career. So I definitely enjoy, you know, interviewing people like yourself and hearing about your stories about how you started out. Cause I feel like that's so valuable to part of the growing experience.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And, you know, like I said before, I'm happy to impart any knowledge. I can. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so for a publicist just starting out, you know, they're really trying to get their bearings and um, you know, trying to get a sense of the industry, because as we know, things change so quickly, so many new things come out that we need to be aware of. So, you know, what should a publicist who's just starting out, what should they have in their toolkit?
1: Um, with the internet, you know, it's social media, it's kind of pretty much sky's the limit. I, I, I mean, start reading blog posts, you know, read ebooks, get to get to know what media relations is really all about, know how to craft a pitch you know, uh, read if you're in a certain area, a certain vertical, and you have, you know, 10 journalists that you're going to be pitching, focus on those beats, read their columns, get to know who they are, follow them on social media, you know, and get to understand the types of stories and the styles that they write in so that you can potentially at some point, you know, start pitching them. And that's really what it, what it's really all about. Yeah. I,
0: I really enjoyed that tip you just shared. And I feel like I to echo that um, at my job, our team recently started a Twitter account. We've been following all of these reporters that we're trying to get in touch with um, that are in the beats of our clients. And just as an example of something we recently did for listeners we saw that one of the reporters that we were reaching out to was really a big fan of the Red Sox. So we kind of went with that angle and kind of worked it into our client. And so we're waiting to hear back from him. We haven't heard back yet, but I feel like that's just an example of, you know, research and really getting to know your, your reporters that you're working with.
1: Absolutely. I mean, in this day and age, it's easier than ever to find out the areas that reporters cover, you know, back in 2005, when I first started, you know, a million years ago, like I was (laughs) saying, email wasn't a thing. Twitter wasn't around. None of these social media platforms were around. There was like one book, you know, (laughs) that you would go to get journalists' information, television producers' information, and you had to call, you know, talk about intimidating. I said, oh my (laughs) God, you know, at least now when you're writing an email, you have 15, 20 minutes to think about what you want to say, you know, to craft something that's concise and is actually going to match the tone and the style of the publication that you're trying to pitch. <laughs> so I, I think it's much better to be a publicist now than it was then.
0: Yeah, that I could not imagine calling a reporter to do a, a verbal pitch, that, that that sounds crazy to me. And even one of my professors would mention in college, you know, about how she had to paste all of the, her press clips from magazines and newspapers into like a big book. And I'm like, oh my God, it sounds like so much work.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. And especially to show, it, you know, if you were going to look for another job in the industry, you know, you had to have a clip book. Now it's probably just like, all right, send me your 10 biggest placements you secured, you know, links to the stories and that's it. But yeah, I mean, you would have a book that was, you know, hundreds of pages bit thick you know and you, you would have you know articles like whole <laughs> articles that show the client and the headline and it, you know and it would take up pages and but yeah it was it wasn't fun
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's interesting to see how linkedin and you know all these different social media platforms kind of took over the rolodex factor as well
1: oh absolutely twitter you know instagram instagram is actually pretty big um, linkedin But but Twitter actually is is I find that to be very useful as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. I feel like it's a reporter's hub. It's become where they all hang out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. So, Kristen, I have one final question for you, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with uh, Sophia Amoruso. Sure. Yeah.
1: Girl, girl boss.
0: Yes. So kind of an inspiration to her. I love to ask all my guests who their favorite girl boss is, or just like a woman who inspires them. And it can be more than one or just one. Um, But who is your favorite girl boss?
1: That's interesting. You know, I think I have a few, but then other times I don't think I have anybody. (laughs) And the person I'm going to say wasn't really business owner but I find that she's a great role model is Michelle Obama like I just think that she has just such an amazing presence and she's so smart and she is just so charismatic you know I think that she could light up any room you know so if I had to pick one it would be her
0: Yeah, she's definitely a girl boss. Um, You know, she's gone on from first lady to all these different industries and her whole campaign while she was the first lady with the, you know, getting the kids eat the vegetables was so creative Mm -hmm. and how she's transitioned her brand to, you know, post White House has been really interesting to watch.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. But beforehand, you know, before Obama was president, you know, I mean, she was an attorney. And I mean, she worked hard and there's a lot of grit that goes into becoming a partner in a law firm, you know, at a young age. And, you know, I really respect her for having the fortitude and the strength to be able to endure everything that she's gone through. Yes,
0: definitely. I was talking about with one of my past guests too, about about their girl boss. Um, I actually can't remember who it was off the top of my head, but we're talking about, you know always having, you know, that ability to pivot and know what's going on and, you know, work towards these goals, but then also going towards the next one. That's kind of goes back to what we we're talking about with PR in general too, of, you know, working towards this one goal and then working towards the next one and always keep working hard. So Michelle's definitely a great example for that. Yeah,
1: yeah, I agree.
0: Well, Kristen, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, I really enjoyed having you and getting your advice. Um, can you tell listeners where they can check out Fem Founder and your
1: business? Sure. Yeah. So it's femfounder.co and the agency is Marquet. It's a M-A-R-Q-U-E-T dot company. Thanks for listening. Did you enjoy this episode? Head to Apple Podcasts and leave
0: us a five-star review. Want to drop us a line? Click the link in our Instagram bio to leave us a voicemail. And who knows, it might even end up on the show. See you next week for more tips and tricks of the trade.